Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I thank God this morning that, that I'm able to bring the word. This word is something that God has been dealing, dealing with me with. It's a word concerning finding our place in God and in the body of Christ. So I have plenty of scriptures that I want to go through and, and we're going to just sit down and really get into the word and meditate on this word. But let's pray first. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Jesus Christ. We thank you for your love. We thank you, Lord God, for your compassion. We thank you for your mercy, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus Christ, for revealing yourself to us. We could have been lost in the world not knowing the creator of all things. But God, in your mercy, in your love, in your plan and purpose, you have revealed yourself to us. And we are grateful. I pray, God, this morning that you will encourage someone. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, Lord. Anoint my lips, Lord Jesus, and my, and my mind to communicate your will and your purpose to your people. I am nothing without you. We are nothing without you, God. Prepare the hearts of your people this morning and cause conversion. Give us energy by faith to do the things that you have commanded us to do so we may live and not die. God, we thank you. We love you. We appreciate you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. The first thing that, that I want to highlight to us this morning is three great things that has already taken place and one that is taking place every single day. The greatest event in human history is when God became our salvation. That was and is the greatest event in human history. From day one in the book of Genesis, the, 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 when the creation came about, and when the first man and woman sinned and fell out of God's grace, they were separated from God, the creator of all things because of disobedience, because of breaking God's word. When that happened, that was probably and, and, and is honestly the greatest crisis. And from that moment, God promised something. He said that the seed of the woman is going to crush the head of the serpent. That when, that's when the gospel was first preached. That's when God promised to come back and, and reconcile us back to himself. So from then, throughout all the books of the Bible, all generations and dispensations, until the time that Jesus came, that was the hope of all men. They were waiting for that day. The ones that God revealed that promise to, they were waiting for that day when man will be reconciled to God. What a tragedy for a human being to be separated from the very one that knows all things about them, about us. 
from the only one that can cure us, encourage us, and help us. We were separated from him because of our sins, our disobedience. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 through 6. Galatians chapter 4, um, verse 4 through 6. It says, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. Why? Verse 5. To redeem them that were under the law, that they might receive the adoption of sons. And verse 6. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. The greatest event in human history is when God reconciled us back unto himself. When he came, our salvation. The greatest experience humanity can have is reconciliation to God, as we just read. When we're reconciled to God, that is the greatest experience. I'm building a foundation here because it's very important that we're reminded over and over of these things. The greatest experience for a human being, no matter what color you are, what social, what, what social economic status you may fit in, no matter your background, your family lineage, no matter where you live on planet earth, the greatest Number one, numero uno, experience that any person can have is, is salvation, being reconciled back to our Father. The greatest, not buying your first house, not landing your first major deal for a big contract, not going to the NBA or the NFL. No, not having children, not even getting married. The greatest experience that a human can have is being reconciled back to God. Amen. That is the truth. And the third thing, very important to understand, the greatest satisfaction humanity can enjoy is being in the center of God's will. Can we this morning really believe that? There's a myth that whenever we're in God's will, there's a possibility of burnout. The myth is whenever we're in God's will, sometimes it gets so hard that it causes divorce and things like that. There's a myth in the church that whenever we're in the center of God's will, we're going to be troubled and, 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 and burdened. And it's so hard and there's a big weight to carry because we're the men and women of God and we have to carry this burden for Jesus. That is not true. Life brings trouble. Life brings um, heartaches and disappointment. But the greatest satisfaction that a human being can enjoy is being in the center 
of God's will. That is true. Praise God. You see, finding our place, and that's my, my topic today, finding our place, finding your place. This is a theme of tremendous importance for every believer. God has a place for each member in the body of Christ. No matter your age. Maybe you've been serving God for 30 years, 40 years. But there's a possibility that you have not found your rightful place, your position, where God has ordained for you to be in your whole Christian life. A lot of times as believers, and by the way, this message is for believers. This message is for those who are saved already. Usually the, the 10 o'clock service are the ones that come out early because they're saved. They know God and they're seeking after him. So I'm assuming that everyone in here is saved. Amen? Everyone here is called. Everyone here is sanctified, washed in the blood. I'm speaking to you. If you're an unbeliever or you're, you're, you're still figuring out if you want to follow Christ or not, your main priority is your response to the gospel. Not this message this morning. But for those of us who are, have already responded to the gospel, maybe you're not satisfied with life because you have not found your place. And what happens, instead of pushing into God to find out why we're here, what's the reason we're here, the purpose for our being, we give it up. And we say, maybe one day it will manifest. But do you know that it's our responsibility as God's children to seek him? It's so funny. There's a story in, in, in um, Songs of Solomon in the book, the Bible. It's a love story between the church and God, right? And it says that the man representing God and the woman is us. The man came to the window, peeked in, and saw the bride laying down. She got up and looked and saw him. And when she saw him, he left immediately. Then she ran out into the streets saying, where is the lover of my soul looking for him? That's the salvation experience. God initiates it. He finds us. But then he kind of hides himself. It's a love game, right? And now we're called now to follow after him, to seek after him, the one that loved us, the one that revealed himself to us. Now it's our job now to go after him, the lover of our soul, with all of our strength, all of our might. We love our God. It's our responsibility. But the enemy, he knows this. So here it is. If Satan cannot deceive you from not believing the gospel or from believing the gospel, then he wants us as believers to live an ineffective life. So he deceives us, causes us to be lazy and slothful, and we never really receive all that God has for us. Because the first commandment for man, or the most important, God set that priority. What is it? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. It wasn't a suggestion. It's a command. It's an it's a, it's a instruction. You who believe in me, Jesus, seek 
me first. Seek the kingdom first and my righteousness. And then all things, your calling, whatever God has for you, will be added unto you. You see, God has a plan where he adds. But we don't have to strive. But he adds. The only thing God tells us to strive for in Hebrews is to strive to enter into his rest. That's it. We don't strive for position. We don't strive for, for joy and happiness. All those things are a byproduct of chasing after Jesus. I'm chasing after you, Lord. Praise God. God has a place of employment for you and for me. Do you know that? It's not your choice anymore. It's God's. And, and we'll see that more. Time is going by already. God has a place in the body of Christ for everyone. There is a place for you. A position that God has ordained that you must walk in. It's a place that God has chosen for us before the foundation of the world. It's a holy place. It's a sacred place that you are built for. That God has chosen us to be in. And the tragedy is many of us in the body of Christ in, on the planet earth are not standing in that place. But this morning I'm going to show you how to find out where that place is and to stand in it. I'm not just giving you bad news without giving the remedy. God has answers. God has a geographical location for you to live in. Amen. If you follow the book of Acts, there's certain places the apostles could not go. It was a good idea. And they were good, doing a good thing. But God has a place for us. A place, a geographical place that we must live and operate in. Have you considered that maybe you're living somewhere that it's not yours? Does it belong to you? Have you considered that maybe the city that you're in right now is not where God wants you to be? Consider it. I'm not saying it is or it's not or whatever. I'm just consider it. Amen? Is it possible that the career choice that you have made is not what God has for your life? Have you considered that? Have you considered that coming to church and sitting on a pew every Sunday and Wednesday is not the place that God has assigned for you to be in? These aren't just haphazard questions. It's serious. It's a serious question that the Lord is asking this morning. Is this my will for you? Or are you operating in your own understanding? Is he upset? I'm not saying he's upset. This is a, a message of grace and mercy. Because we can find the place that God has for us this year. I'm not saying today. But as we engage now, we can find that place. Proverbs speaks about a man out of place. It's like a bird 
who wandereth from her nest. Isn't that something? Psalm 27, 8. Proverbs, I'm sorry, Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 8. As a bird that wandereth from her nest, so is a man that wandereth from his place. What does a nest provide for birds? Protection, comfort, peace, rest, provision. It's not God's will that we struggle and be poor and, and downcast and beaten and destroyed, depressed. God wants us to prosper, to be in good health, even as our soul prospers. That's the will of God for us. That is the will of God is written in scripture. But sometimes we don't, we're not appropriating that scripture because, and receiving those blessings because we're not in our place. We're wandering like a bird that wanders from her nest. The book of wisdom just told us that. Are you wandering this morning? Are you not satisfied with life? God wants you to be satisfied. God wants you. He didn't save you just to save you. Let's read 2 Timothy 1.9. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Praise God. Verse 9. Actually, let's start from the last word in verse 8. Let's do that. What's the last word, church, in verse 8? God. Let's say it loudly. God. So now, verse 9, so God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. If you are saved today, you are called also. Who told you you're not called? Who told you that now that you're saved by grace through faith, that your position is, is the pew? Just to sit down, get up, sit down, get up. No. There is a calling for every single believer. If you are saved, you are called. You might be a hand. You might be the feet. You might be a knee. You might be a neck. But if you're saved, you are part of the body. And there is an assignment that you must fulfill. Because God has ordained it before the foundation of the world. Is that important? If he thought about it before, let's read this. Let's continue on. Not according to our works. So this calling and being saved is not according to, to us, our works. But according to his own purpose and grace. Whose purpose and grace? God. Which has given us which was given us in Christ Jesus, when? Before the world began. Before all this even started, the Lord knew. A matter of fact, in the book of Thessalonians, I love this, this, this scripture. It tells us that God himself has a foundation. I love that. It says, the foundation of God standeth Sure. Having this seal. This is the seal of it now. 
the Lord knows who's his. When you don't know, when I don't know, God says, I know. And that's why you need me. Because I have a purpose and a plan for you that I've given you and planned for before the world began. That's why it says, ears have not heard. Hallelujah. Eyes have not seen. Neither has it entered into the hearts of men. Why? Because it was planned before the beginning of the world. What the Lord has prepared. But it thus says this, but it is revealed to us. How? By his spirit. So it's not a mystery that we cannot find out. But God says, when I save you, I also call you. And now you can ask me, Father, Abba, what's your plan for me? And God will answer. Is that encouraging? He will answer. Three truths about our calling. One, it's holy. It's sacred. It's the most important thing in this world. The calling that God has for you. The place that God has for you. It's the most important thing in the world. If you read the epistles of Paul, he always begins saying this. Paul, an apostle called by God. By the will of God. Amen. He always mentioned that first because he saw that calling as the most important thing in his life. He was a man born out of time, he, he said. He was wicked. He persecuted the church. But he said God gave him mercy and grace because he did it ignorantly. So God saved him and then what? Called him. Praise God. And Paul was so grateful for this call. He said, God, this is the thing I'm going to do. He was so passionate about the call when the prophet prophesied to him saying that if you go to Jerusalem, they're going to bind you up. He said, well, let it be done. So the gospel will be preached. He was passionate about what God had for him, has for him. He was passionate. And God wants the same response from us. He wants us to identify the calling. And once we identify the calling to go after it with all that we have as we follow Jesus, praise the Lord. The second thing about the or, or truth about this calling that we mentioned already, it was given before time began. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 28 and 30. I have 15 minutes. I'm not going to finish it, but God direct me, please, Lord. It's what's important. It says, and we know, you see it on the screen? Yes. We know, the church, that all things work together for good. But how? Or, or, or for who? To them. That's very important. Let's stop there. All things work together for good to them. That's very important to understand that it's a them. So now we need to identify who's the them. Because now we see that all things don't work together for the good for, every, for everyone. Only to them. To them that first love God. Do you love God? Amen. Wave your hand. Do you love God? Yes. So far you qualify. To them, watch this, who are called 
according to his purpose. Those that love God are saved and are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow. You see, God foreknew us. He also did predestinate. That's the place. To be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. See, when God came in the, fl in the flesh, that great event that we spoke about earlier today. Not only did he come to, to save us, right, and to shed his blood. But he came as an example to show us who we are. Because we were ignorant. No one has seen God. Because God lives in light unapproachable. We can't, we can't see him. So God knew this and he planned in Psalm. He said, prepare me a body. He came in the flesh through Mary. Grew up in stature and wisdom. And began to teach and show us how we operate. How we function like him. He was an example. When you read the Gospels, it's not just to read. It's to really investigate. You should see yourself when you see Jesus. He's showing us you. He's showing me, me. He's saying the way I operate, you function and operate. He knew his purpose. He knew his place. Therefore, we should know our purpose. And we should know our place. Praise the Lord. It says that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. 30. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. He called us before. He foreknew us, predestinated us before. You see, that word predestination in the Greek, it means to set boundaries before time. See, a lot of us, all of us, were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. A lot of the things that we did in life, we see other people have done the same. They're in jail. They died. But we're still here. And you wonder to yourself, man, I'm th I thank God that I didn't go so far. You know why? God set bo boundaries around us. That we couldn't go so far. Whenever we, we were, were stepping over into the, into the deep, there was a wall there protecting us saying, nope, you're my son, you're my daughter. You're predestinated. I have a plan for your life. And that's what the, 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 the very things that took out people in the world, you survived. The very things that people went through that was so minor. You went through worse probably. But you're here this morning giving God the praise. Because he foreknew you and predestined you. He set limits in advance because he has called you. And because he has called you, that's why you're justified. Praise God. And now he says, you shall be glorified with him. This calling was before time began. And third, the calling or the assignment that God has for you. And here's the good news. It's not dependent on your ability. As I'm speaking, many of you in your mind are saying, what can I do? You're calculating your abilities. 
was saying, like, well, I, I can't read well. I can't speak well. You know, I don't understand the Bible sometimes when I read it. What can I do, God? I'm, I'm just weak. I have good news for you this morning from the word of God. You see, the calling is not dependent on our ability, but the calling is dependent on God's grace. Let me show you something real quick. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 and 29, 2 through 29. It says, for you see your calling, brethren, how that, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many nobles are called. Right there we qualify. If you feel like you're insignificant, you're not wise, wise enough, you're not strong enough, or maybe come from a, 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 a big pedigree or family, he says, don't you see, have you considered that not the strong, not the famous, not the wise are called? Have you considered that? But 27, but God has chosen the foolish. I glory now in being foolish. Yes, Lord, I know nothing, Jesus. I need you, Lord God. That's the position that God wants us to be. Lord, I recognize that I can't do it. I recognize the calling on my life is greater than me. If God, when God calls you, it's always something bigger than you. Every time. Always something that when you write on paper and you calculate how much it's going to cost, what's going to take, we look at it and, and, and go down to the total and we say, God, I can't do this. God says, I know. That's why you need me. And that's why I've called you to it so you could rely on my power and my grace. Praise God. It says, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised has God chosen. Yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. And here's the reason why, 29, that no flesh should glory in his presence. You see, right now I have a, I feel a, a, a temptation to start preaching because everybody's sitting there. But I can't do it. We're going to go slow and go through scriptures. Please listen and receive. Praise God. It says once we receive the whole, the, this holy calling, we must put our all into it. Look what Paul said in, in, in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. It says... But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Can we all agree that Paul did great exploits for God? Didn't Paul say that he was the greatest apostle pretty much? He did more than any other apostle? That's his words. I did more than any other apostle. But he says the reason why I was able to do more than any other apostle is because of the grace of God. He never gave his flesh, his education, his finances, his relationships and connections, the glory for his success. Paul knew that all that he was doing, all the things that he endured in life, he was able to endure it and not be destroyed 
because of the grace of God. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. Here it is. Here's the attitude. It wasn't in vain. I found my place in the body. I sought God for it. He showed it to me. Gave me the grace for where I belong. But it wasn't in vain. I didn't sit on a pew and just sit on the, on, on, on the grace. I didn't just go about my life the way I wanted to go. Just, just doing whatever came to my mind. It was not in vain. What he says here, he says, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. It was God's grace that allowed Paul to accomplish his calling. It's going to be God's grace that will allow you to accomplish your calling. I have four minutes. And you're sitting there and you're saying to yourself, how can I find out my place? So I'm going to tell you quickly, okay? I'm going to tell you in four minutes, the first step for 2019, that if you do this, by God's mercy and compassion, you will find your place in the body of Christ. Are you ready for this? It comes from Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Four minutes. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. Whenever you see the word therefore, you have to investigate why it's therefore. Amen? So chapters 1 through 11, Paul is given a, a, a great explanation of salvation. He explained everything. Israel, the Gentiles, everything. And now at chapter 12, he's saying, here's your response to what I just told you. That's real quick, right? Here's the response of your great salvation for you and for Israel. I beseech you, therefore, I beg you, brethren, by the mercies of God, and here, here it is, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. The question is this. Paul, God, how can we present this body to you holy? After we have done so much defile things in this body, B.C., before Christ. How, God, can you use my body when I filled it with so much ungodly things? When I have connected to myself in different relationships with ungodly people, I feel the guilt, I feel the shame of what I've done. My body feels defiled. And for me to know my place in the body of Christ, my place in life, I have to first present my body. Because my body is so important to God. How can I make this body holy? Well, Jesus in Matthew 23, I'm not going to read it. Verse 19 through 20, you can read it later on. Gives us the explanation or gives us the answer to how to make our bodies holy. He spoke to the Pharisees who were doing foolish things. And they were honoring the sacrifice more than the temple. Or the altar, I should say. Amen? 
And it says this, real quick. It says, he fools and blind. For whether is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifieth the gift. There is a, there is a key. The altar makes the gift or the sacrifice holy. If we sacrifice something to God, let's say back then in the Old Testament, if they sacrifice anywhere else but where God has prescribed them to do it, God wouldn't receive the offering, right? It wouldn't be holy. But once the priest took that sacrifice and put it on the altar of God, God will look at that altar, look at that sacrifice and accept it. And the altar would sanctify or make holy the sacrifice. How do we make our bodies holy? How do we present our bodies to God? Our bodies are so important. Holy. We put it on God's altar. God wants your body. Let's stand please after close. Praise the Lord. People, please stand. I have so much more to tell you guys, but I talk way too much. And I'm working on it. <laughs> I have to explain every point. God help me. This year, two minutes. This year, God wants your body. We believe that our bodies are insignificant. It's not important to God. But when God saved us, I know we're getting new bodies. But the body that we have right now, God also saved. Now unto him who is able book of Jude, to present our soul, spirit, and body blameless before his presence. What is the purpose of your body? God created your body to live in, to dwell in. God wants your body in 2009, 19. He wants to use your body, meaning that wherever you go, whatever you wear, whatever you eat, First, consult the Lord. Don't you know it says that your body is the temple of God? Once we begin to give our bodies to God in the morning, take this body up, this vessel, bring it to the altar, wherever it is in your house, and lay it down on the altar, a living sacrifice. And you say, God, here is my body. Sanctify my body on your altar. Make it holy. You'll start to receive healing in your body. You begin to receive deliverance in your body. God wants your body to be a temple of his presence. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, God, we thank you, Lord, for your revelation. We thank you, Lord God, that now we know that we have a place in the kingdom of God. We have a place assigned for us to live. A place assigned for us to serve in the body. A place assigned for us to work. Hallelujah. And Lord God, we desire, Lord Jesus, to be in that place. We desire, Lord God, not to walk in someone else's shoes. But we desire, Lord God, to operate, to live, to function where you want us to be. So God, today we make a, a, a new covenant with you, Lord. Or renew the covenant, Lord Jesus, to present our bodies to you as a living sacrifice. Fill this body. Heal this body. Use this body for your glory in the name of Jesus. God, we won't wear what you don't approve of. We won't eat, Lord Jesus, what you don't approve of. We, we will not go, Lord Jesus, 
pray you don't send us. We make a covenant with you, God, a commitment to present our bodies to you. We love you. We thank you, God. Bless this service today, Lord Jesus. As we worship you, God, as we lift up your name, give us the grace, Lord Jesus, to fulfill our calling. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.